Welcome to the First Lutheran Church podcast, produced by First Lutheran Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America who are seeking to embrace love's adventure together. In this podcast series, we explore some of the contours of that adventure through conversations with friends and members of the community who are on the journey with us. We're glad you joined us. Hello, everybody. This is Amy Hartsaw coming at you live from her office at First Lutheran Church here in Janesville, Wisconsin. And I have with me a very awesome guest that we've been having fun getting ready for our gig next Thursday, September 28th. Um, I have with me Zachary Peterson, violinist extraordinaire, also violin builder extraordinaire. Um, a little bit of background about Zach before we launch into the questions. Zach is a private violin teacher in Beloit at the Dolce Music Academy, and he also teaches at Janesville's very own Napton Music. And we actually had you play at our church Um last week, September 17th, for our two services. So thank you so much for, thank you so much for being here. How you doing? Doing right fine. Thank you very much. Nice. (laughs) So folks, you got to come on September 28th, because we're going to do a really cool gig where you get to hear that voice again. Janissa in Janesville, 6 to 9 p.m. Be there. So Zachary, let's just dive right in. I just wanted to ask you quick. So, how did you start in music? Like, what what's your what's your musical story? I started with the school music program, looking for something to do after school in uh, about fifth grade. So, they had come around with the drum bugle corps at first, but then I took that slip home to Ma, and she said, "Oh well, that's uh, too many nights." You know, oh. we'd have to do Wednesday night for the whole year, summer, uh, they're, and they're very strict with uh, schedules. So I would have had a, uh, we done that. I guess I would play trumpet or bugle. Ooh! But uh, we uh, passed on that, and then the next thing they brought in were the orchestra instruments. So that's how I uh, decided to start. Nice. And you've studied at several different places um, within the United States and Canada. And one of these places was um, Roosevelt University in Chicago at the College of Performing Arts. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And was that there that you had a chance to work and be coached with by Yo-Yo Ma? That was after uh, I graduated from Roosevelt and then I had gotten into Chicago Civic. Some people did cool. them at the same time, but I didn't. Uh, I so I did two years in civic after Roosevelt, and uh, hmm. usually twice a year we would do a big project with uh, Yo-Yo Mai come and work with us, and uh, he would have us break off into splinter groups and play uh, Brandenburg, and they'd usually send us to outreach. Uh, we'd play at the Chris Kringle Mart. Um, oh, cool. I've been to that. And all sorts of stuff, so it was always a big uh a big deal. So the Chris Kindle market is like that's the big market in like central mm-hmm. Chicago, right? Yeah, right downtown. Right downtown. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh my goodness. And when when was this? I wonder if we actually ran into each other. Um, this would have been. Oh, I graduated play? in. Let's see, 
2014, so it was from 14 to 16 is when I was in uh, Civic. Oh, my gosh. I might have actually heard you play because, folks, I was living in Wisconsin, and I was visiting a friend, and Chris Kringle marked. That's Potentially, it would have been a big thing, I think, because they had the whole orchestra down there, and they'd have heated tents, and then... Uh, so if you remember an event with Yo-Yo Ma there, it would have been us. Oh my. Well, we're going to have to go check. I'm going to have to ask my girlfriends. Be like, hey. Um, so I did have a, I did have a fun, fun question. What is the worst piece of advice that anyone gave you when you were starting out as a musician or in the middle of your musical career? Well, I think that the worst advice, <laughs> and it's still uh, given to this day, Okay. <laughs> is uh, professors who kind of look down upon people who um, can't support themselves uh, on music stuff alone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was told that, you know, if you really want to be in the business, you have to, uh, you know, don't go down any other career paths. Um, you have to, whether it's teaching or performing, you have to make your money from that. That's what makes you a professional. Um, mm, the, the, yeah. the reality is, is that it's just very hard to do that. If you can do that, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think that going forward and the, the way the world is, is going, that becomes less viable every day. And just like kind of encouraging people to be creative with how they make music and if they can make it a viable way to make money, mm-hmm. if, you know, and the reality is a lot of people get around that by, uh, they'll often have a partner or, or get married to somebody who's not in music. So, uh-huh. and that makes yep. it possible to, to do it. So then when it's just bad advice, I'd say, because <laughs> a lot of people kind of find ways around it so that they're making their personal money from performing, Mm -hmm. but they have help, whether it's from parents or from um, spouse or or whatever. Yeah. And so the idea of this kind of, you know, being looked down upon if you have to go work something that isn't music related to be able to, to do the things you enjoy, Mm -hmm. I think is a, is outdated and it's, it's disingenuous and, I think people should just figure out how to balance their life the best they can. And it doesn't make you any less of an artist if you have to what, no matter what you do Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. bring, uh, to survive. I agree. I mean, I have a, a dear friend. I just talked to her. She was on the, she calls it, she made landfall. She's actually a director for a, um, cruise company called Azamara for anyone interested in doing cruises and she is a singer and she did cruise ship singing for a while until that actually was no, she really was realizing, you know what? I don't, I know I'm not going to be able to do this into my sixties. So she got creative and learned how to run a boat and now she operates. She's now the captain of a ship and she still gets to sing. Well, that's the thing. If so, you, if so say for instance, if you can do something that's more efficient, making money, Mm-hmm. And then you can choose the projects that you do instead of any crumbs that come your way. Are you really, is that not going to make you a better artist in the end? Mm -hmm. You know, and not to say, 
we're all in that position where we have to take the crumbs. I, I certainly do. Oh, but, sure. Um, I think that if if there's a way out of that that doesn't involve music, I don't think people should be looked down upon. It's just it just makes sense because then it's like, hey, if I'm gonna play or do something, then it's something I want to do, you know. And then you might yeah. have money to support that as well. Exactly. Well, actually, you know, it's really f- cool is that you just took a piece of really bad advice that friends I've been given as well, um, which interestingly enough is changing. It's actually changing. And I think it's because people our age are now the professors and we're all like, hey, you know what? You're going to have to be creative. So, Well, and that's the thing. Like there was that gilded era cool. where the other people came from and the economic realities were just different for the people who taught us. Right. So. Right. That's a beautiful way to put it. Absolutely. So speaking of being creative and thinking outside whatever boxes um, that are in front of us, you actually build violins. Um, I've seen you debuted the Chunk. Oh, uh, I named it after an internet meme. It's the Big Chungus because it's a big, big ugly chungus. fiddle I made. That's it. Yes. Yeah, he, you debuted it at um, First Lutheran's, yeah, um, yeah. the classical event, because everyone got sick. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I just brought it up and made stuff up and then just uh, just uh, took over the stage and, and used this opportunity to, to be weird in front of your uh, all your uh, Madison folks. I, I, I got yeah, a kick out of kids. it because <laughs> it's like I know they're – these are the kids that are like the upper echelon and their parents are like, they're like, yeah, we got to do this proper stuff. And I knew that. And I was like, I want to see if I can, you know, kind of like the, freak them out a bit, you know, with some stuff. <laughs> well, actually it worked. Um, the, there's actually a young viola player um, remembered you and he's, he's at Indiana. He's at one of those places, but um, he took you, took your words to heart and he's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep going forward, but I'm going to keep this gentleman's words at heart. Plus he also loved your, the big chungus. And I don't know if he follows you on TikTok, but I will see if he does. I don't think I, I, I was doing it too much then. Okay. I started doing that more recently. Well, I was going to say, speaking of friends, 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 TikTok, Zachary Peterson Violin. Again, it's Zachary Peterson Violin. His TikTok is amazing. He, um, what I've seen, he I'm on there. Ta-da! So there's a little bit of that. But also there's, um, you do a lot of reels, you do a lot of Irish stuff. And I want to hear more about your Lego violin. Like, how did this get started? All right, so I had an idea a while ago because I started with the with YouTube, which I'm I want to get back to, but it's just kind of I'm trying to build like a little bit of a audience just to promote, mm-hmm. you know, because if people know who you are, maybe they might be interested in lessons and stuff, and you can do things remote and everything. So oh yeah, um, it's a little trickier because it seems like there's just like a lot of people on on TikTok and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was making those shorts and stuff, and I had this idea. It's like, well, what if I made an acoustic, a fully acoustic violin out of Legos? And um, so cool. I did that and made a whole video about it, and it was a real challenge to do that uh, acoustically. Now, mm-hmm. that's not the instrument I use mostly for my TikToks because it's kind of hard to play. Oh, you use the electric one? I Yeah, so after that, I thought, well... An electric one is actually 
pretty easy and people have made like electric guitars and stuff with Legos that have been glued together. And then, Oh, and mine, mine is very crude by comparison, but I'm like, well, if I've done the acoustic, the electric, I can have more possibilities with. And so I, Mm -hmm. uh, I took that and basically just put together a big long rectangle and with one of those Lego backing sheets and, and mounted up the bridge and stuff to that. And, and then I bought like a distortion pedal at Napton. uh, And that pretty much is what seems to be the most popular thing I do. It's not, not, nothing I do is that popular, but it's um, 2000 views is popular. Well, uh, talk to some of the kids in the high school is like, got like, 20,000 followers from like doing their dances and I don't think they'd agree, but for, okay. for, for, for my, my, uh, I'm pretty happy with it. And, um, well, good. So it's just like, so you put on it. So it sounds like a little bit like a rock and roll guitar, but with the violin, you know, sustain and everything. And so I, I do the Irish music and I'll do like just little themes from famous classical pieces and jazz them up a bit. And it's, uh, you know, people seem to like that. Okay. And then, yeah, like I'll post if I can take advantage of my rehearsals with like Amy or, or Ian Neal. I'll, yeah. I'll be like, Oh, can I just record this and I'll just do it on my phone and throw Which it we- up there too. So, you know, anytime that I think I got something that sounds pretty good, I, and that's kind of the, the beauty of that platform is it's a little bit more casual than, and that's kind of yeah. like, I see a lot of my colleagues, they go more into the, uh, they, they'll try media projects and stuff. And it's the very heavily produced and classical mm-hmm. music oh, yeah. tends to go in that direction. You know, you're trained to be very, for sure. Like, I, I don't know what the word would be. Uh, just very hyper focused on quality and refinement. Yeah. Very polished. But the, the, and that's a good thing, you know, depending on what you're doing, if you're making an album, if you're making a music video. But if my thing is that, well, I'm kind of a nobody, it's <laughs> going to take me like three weeks to put out something even half that good. But, you know, the the nice thing about TikTok is you can just, you know, I play well, I know I'm trained in that, I can just turn the camera on and, and utilize stuff that I would do anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. And exactly. people are interested in it and exactly. it's, you know, and then maybe that gives me time to come up with bigger ideas for more polished stuff. But sure. if I was just posting like always stuff that has a lot of time, I'd be posting like once a month if, if that, and then it would be, you know, potentially to nobody, you know, you, right. And that's the, got to keep the followers following. Yeah. It's uh and I don't know much about this stuff, but I know enough to know that it's, it's just kind of like hit or miss. So you kind of have to throw a lot of things at the wall. And so that's kind of what I'm trying. It might, I'm sure it'll fail spectacularly, but at least I'm having fun doing it. So, and I think, I don't think you're failing spectacularly. I think you're doing very well. This man, ladies and gentlemen is so humble. Um, but the other thing I was going to tell you is that I have a dear friend. His name is, um, Rene Barbera. He's a Rossini tenor and he just moved to Paris. So he's, he's doing quite well for himself. He actually throws up TikToks of him warming up. 
Oh, there you so go. So talk so. about so talk about brave. Like he's just he's like, hey, I just want to see how the notes are doing. So I'm just gonna like plunk a note, sit here, and sing for you with the window open behind me. And I'm like, that's so refreshing. Because for me as a voice teacher, I get to kind of watch someone warm themselves up. And I've known him since great uh, graduate school. But it's, I think it's neat that he does this a lot. He doesn't throw up just his polished performances at the big houses. He'll warming up on a stage, warming up in his apartment, warming up on a train, you know. Well, and that's the point, I so, think, of why that really works. Cool. Mm-hmm. Because I think people, maybe they, I think a lot of people in classical music don't want you to see that. They want to be seen as like infallible and and I, I think people want to see, you know, the human side. It's not about, like, just failing spectacularly, but just that it's, like, maybe it's not 100% like, but we we kind of are used to, Polished. you know, in the, the media industry just hacking things to death so that they're, like, almost inhumanly perfect, and it's moving more in that direction as yeah. we speak. So having that... Could be. Um. I think that I think people should should do like what your friend is and start to show the human element and try to get away from that, you know, like, oh, we'll piecemeal together the ideal performance, you know. Well, and you know, he talks about too, and I'm sure you may I don't know if you've experienced this in your um experience in Chicago with the Civic Orchestra, but um when he makes recordings, um there's actually a movement afoot because there's a gentleman named Paul Jacobs who's an amazing organist. He teaches at, out at Juilliard. He does unedited performances of big organ works, and he warts and all. I mean, and you not that there's huge mistakes in them, but sometimes if you listen really carefully for or if you have the score in front of you, you can be like, mm, I think he made that measure up, you know, as you're listening to the Passacaglia and Fugue. Mm-hmm. But I. Those are the he said those are the recordings that are most purchased are his unedited when he says unedited blah 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 he's like they they don't sell out necessarily but he's like everyone wants to hear those versus the whole oh okay that measure didn't go right so we're gonna plug in that measure as you say the piecemeal. Well, I think you in. can be more risky. Exactly. Right? If yeah. You know that. Yeah. And that's how they used to make recordings before splicing, and I'm I'm glad to hear. I imagine it's a cultural thing. It's nothing happens in a vacuum. So the ideas that I've come to, I'm sure, like you said, they're happening all over because mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, why not? Like, why does it have to be, if this is what would happen in a live performance, you know, why should we fear like the reality of it? It's not that it's, you know, we'll prepare it well, but if things mm-hmm. happen, you know, that that's part of it. And you can still do the, like the polished one too, you know, if you want like a kind of a a reference recording or something, but I don't think there's anything wrong. I think it's actually good. And I bet you, you know, some of the most magical musical things could happen in performances like that. I think, well, and I, I must admit my favorite performance of the Pasacaglia and Fugue is Paul Jacobs unedited version. It just sounds like his soul. So that's really cool that you, because some of the things I really enjoy about your TikToks are that there is an experimental side to them. And it makes, there's just, 
it's something you can't see other than in a live performance. Because folks, I will tell you this now, if you're listening to a CD of a polished performance, there's really, there is soul there because musicians, it, their soul comes through no matter what. But sometimes like a high note is edited. Like if the tenor didn't quite hit it, they'll re-record the tenor so that that note is perfect and pristine. And he has to hit it perfectly and pristinely. But it's different when you're live. It's just, there's a... A weird wall. I <laughs> just I call it the weird wall for lack of a better word, but mm-hmm. well, no, I agree. Oh, I love it. Wow. Well, let's do one more question. You know what? This is friends, I just love doing this podcast because I just find out so much. Um what is your life's motto in a nutshell? What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy about music? Your life's motto. And it doesn't even have to be about music. It could be about cooking. I mean, what, what your life's life's purpose, motto, get you going. Well, I think that what I try to think about these days, and it's not, it's the motto that I try to hit, not that it comes natural at all. And I don't think it comes natural is that we mm-hmm. tend to, as, as people worry about things that if we were, if everything was taken away from us, which has happened in human history, inevitably we would think are pretty insignificant and we, mm. We'll live our lives based around these things. And one of the things that I've tried to do is like with the TikToks and stuff a few years ago, I wouldn't have done it because I'm like, well, somebody might not like them. And I changed my mind on that because it's like, well, it doesn't matter. And so whether that's a risk taking or just like, so I guess the the thing is is that if you ever watch the movie, um, I guess I'll 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 put it in the the form of a movie. If you, mm-hmm. it's a tragic movie, but very useful. Yeah. Um, the Dead Poet Society. Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite films. Okay, the Dead Poet Society. So I guess the motto in that movie and what I would say is the, the Carpe Diem, and mm. like if so, there's two qualifications, you know. You live for the day, mm-hmm. but that you, you're striving to do good things because you could easily corrupt that and say, you know, live for the day that's best for me. And oh. But you also have to say, I want to do that with no harm or as little harm, you know, obviously we can unintentionally harm with anything. It's just part of life, but mm-hmm. that we try our best to to make the world a better place, but to also um, live in a way that in 20 years, if the world's turned on its head and we realize that all these things that we worry about that keep us up at night didn't matter in the first place, which is has happened. Imagine the people in... And that's not just hypothetical. It's it's going on now. Like sure, we yeah. live in a bubble here, but imagine people who live in in war torn countries. It's imagine Libya, like with the floods. Yeah, absolutely. Natu- 
natural disasters and mm-hmm. I I just I guess I try to think about like well can I do I need that cuz that's always a possibility for any of us and mm-hmm. do I need that to be a wake up call or can I can I balance that can I I try to do the things I want to do within reason and also survive mm-hmm. and be practical, but not be so practical that you strive for all the things that don't seem to matter Sure. when things unravel, you know, which, sure. and that can happen on a personal, you know, like mm-hmm. I, a few years ago, my mom passed away and um, I actually just a little over, a little over a, no, year? it's not quite not quite a year. Not quite a year. No, I was Sorry. gonna say it was yeah, kind of recent. Quite a year. Yeah. And just seeing kind of, you know, with going into these uh rehab centers and stuff and uh these horrible places and it makes you kinda think and seeing like somebody's health go downhill and uh mm-hmm. it makes you think about the things that really matter sure and that's but it's hard we're we our our nature (laughs) resists that at every turn we're scared generally you know because it's a survival instinct and sure but the thing is is like you got to fight it and if there's a place you can find joy or provide joy to yourself or others or do the things that you feel like oh I would have been afraid to do that but it, the things you kind of dream about but you're like ah, I'm too scared I don't know what people think mm-hmm. you know they're worth considering you know with with the right amount of caution yeah you know they are so that that's my I didn't do well on keeping it brief I'm sorry oh are you kidding I love it that is I was gonna say I thank you well I think we are out of time but just to kind of recap, friends, I really want you to go check out TikTok. I never thought I'd ever say that in my life. Um, go check out TikTok. Check out Zachary Peterson Violin. And I will say this from the videos that I've seen. Um, these videos do bring joy and they do bring a sense of fun and a sense of whimsy and a definite creativity and your soul through for us. I so, appreciate that. Thank you. You're very welcome. So friends, please go to TikTok, check out Zachary Peterson violin and thank you for listening to this fun conversation. Zachary, thank you for coming. All right. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to this podcast. First Lutheran Church is learning to become genuinely inclusive, thoroughly engaged, externally focused, and relationally centered as we seek to live intentionally like Christ in the world. Embrace the adventure with us. You can find out more about us on our website at flcj.org. We welcome your questions and comments, which can be shared through our contact page. We're also active on Facebook and Instagram.